Hello and welcome to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my fiancé to watch the musicals he really should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the fiancé. And I'm Drew. Happy Christmas season. Yeah. Hopefully you've all checked out uh, our visit to the Holiday Inn. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're back today with a little bit of bonus content for you, because it tis the season. Yeah. Panto season. And this is also a little bit of a celebration for us. Because we reached another amazing milestone in our podcasting lives with 50,000 lifetime downloads, which is absolutely incredible. So thank you to everyone out there who's been part of that journey. Yeah. So as a little festive treat for you, we were lucky enough to go and see Cinderella at the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. Obviously, last year we went to see Snow White. And we talked a lot about what pantomimes are and a lot about our likes and dislikes of pantomimes there. So we won't necessarily go into that same detail now. If you want to know, go back into the archives, find our episode from a year ago and then come back into 2022 and step into Christmas with us mm-hmm. with Cinderella. But what were your expectations going into this one? Because we, we've covered Cinderella a heck of a lot. And it feels only appropriate we'd end this year with our third Cinderella. Yeah. We've watched too many Cinderella's now. Over the lifetime of this podcast, absolutely. And maybe at some point when we've covered all the Cinderella's, we will do a definitive ranking of them. I don't think we're ever going to run out of Cinderella's. Because at some point, I think the Rodgers and Hammerstein's stage version is on tour. Yep. Like soonish. So we'll probably see that. We're never going to run out. They're going to keep making Cinderella's but forever. But that would probably be the last Cinderella musical for us to cover. No, like... There's going to be more Cinderella's. Who knows? Maybe we'll pop over to Broadway for and bad catch Cinderella. some bad Cinderella. Which the casting has all come out for that as well. Yeah, did you week. see the video? Yeah. It's like Real Housewives of Broadway. In fairness. Which. Probably a better vibe. Yeah. But like it doesn't fit well into. I don't know, reference-wise. I mean, Andrew Lloyd Webber is always like six years behind everyone else, right? Yeah. I still maintain that the show would be better if it was like set in a world where she is a bad version of Cinderella where it's like Cinderella's an actual person that exists instead of acting like she is Cinderella from the story yeah anyway that's not the Cinderella we're here to talk about we'll probably have a lot more fun with this Cinderella mm-hmm. have you ever seen a pantomime version of Cinderella before Yes, I've been in a panto version of Cinderella before. Yes, famously where your brother was Prince Charming. Yeah, and Cinderella and the prince had a tender, tender hug at the end, and that was it. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I've I've been in it, but I've also seen a couple of versions of it, and I always have a good time. I mean, I remember the ITV version of it. Yeah, we watched that mm-hmm. our first Christmas together. Just because that's sort of a fun panto one. I think, obviously, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of talk about the dame characters and how is the dame outdated now? Why wouldn't you just hire a drag queen? Because obviously drag queens have become a lot more mainstream media. And I think with Cinderella, they almost always are a drag performance more than the sort of... Typical, uh, yeah, 
typical yeah, panto dame. Yeah, typical panto dame, because the panto dame is always presented as somebody who is, like, seen as ugly. Yes. Whereas with the ugly stepsisters, hilariously, they're always really glam, but they're glam in a way that's sort of garish compared to the Cinderella. World, yeah. So... They kind of just become drag performers more than anything else. Yeah, and we have the wonderful Neil Wright and Ben Stock as our Claudia and Tess double act. Which, you know, hilariously. And they actually won the Panto Award for Best Ugly Stepsisters, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah, back in 2018, and you can absolutely see why. Yes, they worked very well together. They bounced off each other a lot. And I think in this production... They weren't overused? No, because one of the things I noticed kind of quite early in, we don't have a wicked stepmother in this version of Cinderella. It's very much the ugly stepsisters are the foil. Yeah, and so in Panto, Cinderella's usually... So in Panto's in general, the villain usually has minions. Yes. And then those minions are just like idiots. And that's where I thought our ugly stepsisters would kind of... Yeah, and that's their normal roles. But because we don't have a wicked stepmother in this version they they are the villains yeah and some of the stuff that they get up to is like obviously they make cinderella rip up her ticket to the ball yes um a moment which was excellent because obviously they're saying to her like oh are you so happy now cinderella you have your ticket to go to the ball and she's like yes i'm so happy she has a line early on about wanting to be their friend yeah rather than like she's not interested in like anything else she just wants to be their friend and they say to her, okay, now rip it up. And they keep saying it and saying it. And so she rips up the invitation. And you, all the kids in the audience are like, no, don't do it. It's really fun. So you've kind of got, of the two of them, Ben Stock is, I would say, the leader of the two. With very much their Neil Wright being the second and the more foil, like kind of Gaston LeFou type dynamic. Sure. You know? So you have that nice moment where, you know, you have Tess being like, uncharacteristically nice and so much so that Claudia is like what? what what's going on here yeah and Tess has to keep being like shut up <laughs> and it's really really fun they have that great moment every time they come out as their hello gorgeous mm-hmm. uh, don't we look fabulous really over the top promote some really good audience interaction with the booing and they have amazing outfits throughout yeah the costume design of this is is amazing for all of them but you know, at one point they come out dressed like the Spice Girls where you've got mm-hmm. Tess as Ginger Spice in that iconic Union Jack. Yep. And you have Claudia as Scary Spice. And again, like the iconic leopard print of the Spice Girls. And then for the ball, they come out as chandeliers, which yeah, is which great. Yeah, which I thought was really funny. Like, that was a, those costumes were an incredible. But I was kind of waiting for, like, a chandelier Miley Cyrus reference or... Like a phantom reference. Like, oh, we're dressed to bring down the chandeliers or something like that. And nobody said anything about it. They were just dressed as chandeliers, which is also just hilarious on its own. You know, I guess, where do you go with it? Like, you know, unless you have like a seer that, you know, they want somebody to swing from their chandeliers. But that's quite an old old reference. Yeah, but even then, like, that could be an adult joke, like where you have... They see the prince and one of them says, like, oh, I'd like to swing him from my chandelier. Like, yeah. that kind of thing. Because there was a lot of that. We'll talk about the innuendo in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really like them. And you can absolutely see why they work so well together and why they are award-winning for 
this role. Yeah. They weren't overused, but they also weren't underutilized. Mm-hmm. I felt like we got the perfect kind of balance with them being, you know, nasty characters kind of getting comeuppance at the end. Yeah. The bit where they're trying to get the shoes on is is funny and you've got like they have this great musical sequence at the end and I can't remember for the life of me what the song is. Mhm. They changed the lyrics. Yeah, and in true panto form, they picked like an older pop-ish song yeah. and changed the lyrics so the the stepsisters were just like, if it doesn't fit, lop off my bunions or something like that. Yeah. And then the prince and Dandini would be like, oh no, no thank you. Yeah, and they're doing the same song, but kind of like in reverse. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it's... Don't turn around now. You're not welcome anymore. I feel like it might have been. But like that might just be a... This is the thing is, it's very difficult with the songs for this song because they're songs I recognise, but it's also fast. And because like you move on to the next bit so quickly and the whole thing with pantomime is it's all flashy Mm -hmm. that you get so caught up in the next sequence, in the next sequence, in the next sequence. And and that's not to say that it was uh, like it was it wasn't unmemorable. Yeah. It was really, really good. I was just so enraptured by like the whole spectacle of everything. Mm. Yeah, no, it was great. Speaking of spectacle, we obviously have like the amazing stage as you come in. You know, that you've got the projections going on the walls of the theatre with the shoe and with the stars, and you have all the like little fairy lights that look like stars with the Cinderella. Mm-hmm. It really did look magical. And obviously all the kids with their little glow up like wand things, yeah. which are always super fun. And this That's is... the thing, I think the expectation with Panto and I mean, obviously it's a very UK thing. We love a Panto. Yeah. And so you go expecting there to be kids, there to be noise. You know, these things are designed for kids unless the production has an adult only night. Yeah. Which are always incredible. Because they are like rated R. R-rated and also the cast normally gets drunk <laughs> like while they're performing and forget their lines and muck up and it's just great. But And I've been to a couple of those and they're hilarious. But when you're going to a normal performance, you expect it to be loud. You expect there to be kids waving wands and just having a really good time. And it, when you know that that's going to happen... It makes the experience a lot yeah. better. Like, there's a kid in front of us who got really upset when um, Cinderella agreed to marry the prince because she was so upset for buttons. Yeah. Like, that's really adorable. Upset. And, you know, other things as well. It's just like the excitement or um, just the glitz of it. And I'm so used to pantomimes being like a small scale thing. Mm-hmm. And where I'm from, and this isn't like a negative thing, but they came across a lot cheaper. You know, that they didn't look like they had as great effects. And it was fun. And it, you didn't mind it because you were there for the content. But you walk into the new Victoria Theatre. And you are getting, like, a premium pantomime, I think. Yeah. And, you know, from the get-go, it is very glitzy. And the set changes are incredible. You know, the backdrops, we have the backdrop of, like, the fairy tale land and of Cinderella's house. And they're, they're nice, like, typical pantomime-painted screens. Mm-hmm. But then the actual set pieces that you have, or, you know, for instance, the ball or the finale where... The wedding, yeah. The wedding. 
they look amazing. Yeah. And there's nothing that kind of beats the spectacle of the pterodactyl from last year of Snow White. Mm-hmm. But this, a lot of times for me, I forgot I was watching a pantomime. I felt like I was watching just an adaptation of Cinderella. And I think that's a huge compliment for this. Yeah. In the fact that it was still pantomime. You still had some really great pantomime sequences. But it also didn't rely on all like the tropes of pantomime. Mm-hmm. We didn't have at any point, uh, she's behind you. Oh, no, she isn't. Oh, yes, yeah, she is. But you didn't feel like you missed it because you felt like you were getting a really amazing experience with like the costumes with the sets and with the lighting displays but we do of course have some absolutely amazing pantomime sequences and i guess this is the time we talk about actually interestingly our lead yeah buttons played by brian conley who is a very well established uk performer great comedian kind of like pantomime royalty Mm. we had reservations going in with his casting i think it's fair to say yes so we actually saw the trailer for this at the cinema yeah the the nova cinema yeah it also in the new victoria like theater area amazing cinema like absolutely yeah and it's a really nice cinema but we saw the trailer and obviously brian connolly came out and said that he was buttons and I immediately was like, oh, okay. Because usually Buttons is a love interest to Cinderella. Or rather, he's like a Unrequited kid. Unrequited love interest. Yeah, he's like a kid brother to Cinderella and he's always in love with her. And usually what happens, like very memorably, I went to see a, a production of Cinderella when I was like seven or eight. And I remember at the end... There was a joke where Cinderella was like, oh no, are you going to be okay now, Buttons? Because she was kind of new. Yeah. But she didn't want, she wasn't interested in him. And he was like, that's okay. I found somebody else to love. And there was a panto cow. Yeah. Where, you know, where you've got two people inside of it. And so he sang, hey baby, but it was hey Daisy to the cow. Because he got turned into one of the horses for the carriage. And when he was a horse, he fell in love with this cow. And it was a joke. And it was great. Yeah. But obviously he sang Hey Baby, Who Are, which I now know all the words to because of that. But so, like, he always ends up with somebody else, you know, as like a... But we were kind of concerned because, I mean, Brian Connolly is a very established performer. He's been doing, you know, entertainment for 50 odd years. But exactly, but fifty odd years, you know, and then we were kind of worried about how it would look having like a much older Buttons with quite a young Cinderella. Yeah, because then I looked up who was playing Cinderella, and she's in her twenties. Yeah, and so I was like, "Oh, that's a little bit icky." <laughs> like, I forgot I don't about it. it the second though the show started. Yeah, so they made a lot of jokes about how. So. He's obviously very good at laughing at himself. Yes. I actually don't really know him from anything other than Strictly. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm not really a soap opera <laughs> Which they person. make a joke in about that as well. That, that he, he lasted a long time. He lasted longer and, you know, he got lower scores than he deserved. Mm-hmm. And that he makes a lot of self-depreciating jokes about, like, how he's on the poster. And everyone keeps going airbrushed yeah and that he's airbrushed on the poster which actually if you look at it he's kind of airbrushed on the poster but it's obviously just all in good fun yes but then like 
there are a couple of moments where he tries to kiss Cinderella and she like moves out of the yeah. way supposedly without noticing which is like the that's obviously the intention is that she doesn't realize yeah and you're kind of just like Ooh. <laughs> he old and there's another great moment he comes and they're both adults yeah. so there's another great moment where he he comes into the kitchen for Cinderella's kitchen and he sings a song which me and you didn't know what it was and he's like I'm going to start that again because it was must have just been a throwaway joke but the audience got it's very an advert. into it it was like a butter advert yeah, or something yeah he he and it, he comes out he starts singing this advert and a lot of the older people in the theatre start like singing along. joins in with it and, and sang he's the like, line. my fan base will be dead in five years. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was great. You know, like, he really is quite happy mm-hmm. to take the mick of himself. Yeah. Because sometimes you see bigger names cast in pantomimes. Mm-hmm. And you can tell they're uncomfortable with it because... It's not something they're used to, and they kind of have the vibe that pantomime is beneath them. Yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of established people do pantomimes. Like, I saw Bodger and Badger do it, which is amazing. And I saw Barry from EastEnders. Oh, yeah, I had City and Sweep when yeah. I was a kid as well. And obviously, last year we had Gok Wan, but I'm very lucky that the people I've seen in pantomimes are happy to be there and know exactly what the pantomime entails. And I think Brian Connolly has this amazing presence on the stage that he's incredibly warm mm-hmm. and is very good at encouraging the audience where you have the, you know, the repetition. There's a great bit where he puts the present to the side and he's like, if anyone goes near it, shout my name and I'll come out. And there's a brilliant bit where later on he goes to the present and everyone shouts buttons. And he's like, I'm the one going there. It's fine. You know, like some really great little moments like that. And we have really good interactions with audience members. So we have a Woking's Got Talent sequence, which I think it's really cool that they've written like this song that can easily be changed for whoever is hosting Cinderella. Yeah. And it's like a welcome to Woking. Come to this place. Yeah. And go to this place. And so they obviously, none of the bits where you would change the name rhyme with anything else so it obviously works really well for just wherever you are which is really cool yeah obviously like that's just a good idea yeah exactly and we have this great and and a lot of these sequences are primarily designed for like costume changes and set changes keep the audience entertained with kind of a sequence that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. but engages us so we have Button's coming out for Woking's Got Talent. He's going to sing, but he can't sing by himself. Oh, so he has to get an audience member up. Yeah. Quentin, shout out to Quentin. We love that guy. Quentin was great. He was great. great. So they start, was it an Elton John song they were singing? Or no, it was Tom Jones. I actually didn't know the song. I didn't know the song either. Neither did Quentin. But the great thing was the very first bit, Quentin's bit, he's just like, I don't know the song. And Brian has this stuff and is like, explain it to him. You just need to sing this. And then they do it again. Quentin got incredibly into it. And then he was very much a character in the rest of it because, like, he was referenced later on. Mm -hmm. And there was also the woman behind Quentin. I think her name was Sam, who kept being like referenced as Buttons was kind of like flirting with her. Yeah. You know, it said 95% of women in wherever cheat on their partners, but 5% got an email from the bishop do you know what the email said mm-hmm. no exactly my point and you know it was like oh i've injured my ear sam will you kiss it better i've injured my other ear sam will you kiss it better 
and there was some really nice moments and it was really fun and I think the bulk of the pantomime like tropes came from him yeah I don't usually like the kind of toilet humour the fart humour I never do but I did like the sequence where he has this costume of an outhouse mm-hmm. where it's like some guy's carrying the outhouse or it's a mannequin and he's sat on the inside as if he's using the toilet and the audience were genuinely like some some of the kids in there were like what's going on this is so funny they genuinely thought it was him on the toilet and he's like no it's a, it's a puppet yeah and there's this great moment where he goes to get the fairy godmother to pull his finger mm-hmm. and i don't know if it was planned i don't think it was based on cinderella's reaction but the little legs of the mannequin him inside the outhouse fell over yes and cinderella's just like on her knees just trying not to completely lose it on stage Mm -hmm. while the fairy godmother gets the scene back up and going and it was just a lot of fun and you could see there was still like the early days pantomime stuff that goes wrong but like that's one of the best things about pantomime yeah so yeah i mean any any reservations i had about him going in by the end completely removed Mm -hmm. lots of fun and the bit where he did old mcdonald with the four children at the end was so cute it was so cute and they had this little four-year-old <laughs> who was just the most adorable child in the world so adorable like shouting into the mic with like just like childish glee yeah i think she'd definitely been told to like talk nice and loud and she just was like screaming yeah <laughs> and it was so it was so cute and then she had to do the oinking and it was again like the cutest little oink mm-hmm. it was just brilliant and you know you had some of the some of the kids on stage were very nervous talking to this this guy and she just was amazing and there was a, a boy in front of us who when he saw children go up on the stage ran out of his oh, seat he tried trying to, to go up, up and they wouldn't let him up which is so sad but then at the same time they must have had a process of selecting these kids earlier in the show well pretty sure one of them was quentin's kid no it was a joke made at Quentin's expense. Oh, right. Okay. Because great. Oh, yeah. There's a great bit where Quentin was like, um, so who are you here with? Is like with the missus, with the boy. And then Brian's like, the boy, the boy. Yeah. Don't even Mrs. know his name. The boy. Don't know their names. Well, yeah, one of the girls up on stage, one of the little children didn't know who she was with. And I think she just, she got shy. She was shy, bless her. It's a big audience. Oh, it is. And I, you completely understand. Like, I've been up on stage as a 32 year old doing things like this. And it's still terrifying and daunting when you go up on stage for these sort of things. Yeah, and so they asked who she was with and she sort of clammed up and then she just went, I don't know. And he made a joke about like, okay, well, that one's your dad. And that one's your mum. <laughs> yeah. You know, doesn't even know who you are. But this is the thing is, more so than anyone else, I think there's a lot of improvisation that has to come because there's a lot of things that could go wrong and unplanned with Button's role. Mm-hmm. At no point did you ever feel he'd lost control of the situation. He always knew what he was doing. Yeah. Which, I mean, he should do. He is very seasoned in pantomimes. He's worked with uh, Catherine Rooney, who is the director of this one, on Mm -hmm. 13 pantomimes. So together they know what they're doing. And I, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah. Did you have any other, like, pantomime set piece moments that you really enjoyed? Oh, I tell you what I really enjoyed. This will probably lead to a complete tangent. But we open on just the fairy godmother. Yes. And they're using one of those like seesaw devices to make her fly around the stage. It's very cool. Because then she also comes out over the audience. And a lot of the kids were like, 
Because, like, she looks like she's actually And then you, you can't it's... see strings. Like, it does look magical. But it's because she's not on strings, you yeah. know? She's on the big seesaw thing. Yeah, it, it and looks amazing. It looked amazing. And it was just really cool to open that way. And I kind of thought they were going to do that with the carriage. Yeah. Because we read through the program before we went in. And obviously, the same magic production team are behind this one as were behind last year's Panto. Yeah. Which is the Twins FX team. And one of the things that they've done when you read through their credentials Mm. is Cinderella's flying carriage. And I was like, Cinderella's flying carriage? Amazing. Obviously, that isn't for this production. But what they did have instead was real ponies. Yeah, they (laughs) had real ponies. The ponies are from Ian Luke and Shetland Ponies. They pulled the carriage onto the stage and then they just sort of hung out. Yeah. And it was cute. Yeah, I, I I did have to ask if they were puppets or not because knowing the you twins were, were knowing the twins were behind it, I genuinely thought it was just like, you know, um, some kind of like puppetry because like the fact that you're bringing on real ponies for thirty seconds is cr- oh, it is very cute. It's they crazy. obviously just rock up sort of around the time they need to and then yeah, go home. and then go home. But yeah, I think as a show, it's amazing, and you know we have some phenomenal actors in this. So uh, Sarah Vaughan as Cinderella and Samuel Wilson Freeman as Prince Charming, I think they they bounce off each other really well Mm -hmm. because they have this seriousness about them at the key times. Yeah. But then they also have, like, you know, the kind of tongue-in-cheek silliness about them at other Mm -hmm. times. So there's a great moment when they're singing together a duet and Buttons gets jealous. Yeah. And everyone ends up pulling each other off this fake wall that they're set down and you know it's a really fun little sequence but it's especially fun because up until that point Cinderella and the prince have been quite serious in their mannerisms Mm -hmm. so I liked that about them and as performers I think they were absolutely fantastic yeah you know keeping the the show going and having some really funny moments with buttons and especially with Brian Connolly's energy to not corpse as much as maybe others would have. Yeah. You know, I thought they were brilliant. Hmm. Is there anything about this as a pantomime that you found problematic in 2022? Because pantomime as kind of a performance style has come under a lot of criticism in recent years. And there's a lot of changes that have to be made. Well, so we saw Act One, yeah, and then obviously we had the interval. And when we went out to the interval, I said to you, "Wow, I feel like there weren't any homophobic jokes this year," which should always be the case. However, last year the performance had got one. They made a lot of jokes, sort of at his expense, which yeah. I would assume he is okay. He was on board with, in the same way that. Brian Connolly was on board with them making fun of him being airbrushed on the poster yes. and being old. But obviously we have no way of knowing that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that. But with this one, I was like, wow, they they really haven't made any jokes at the stepsister's expense. There's been no, like, traditionally they'd be like, oh, yeah, coming from you who looks like a man or something Yeah, there like was only that. one accident where, like, they clearly gone off script and forgotten a little bit like at the start of the interaction between buttons and uh i think it was tess where he's like oh he's complaining it's like she oh yeah no so but but that was because 
they'd sort of all fallen apart because yeah. Tess called Buttons Brian. Brian and he was like, oh, come on, Brian, blah, 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 because they were trying to get back into it and then it just caused yeah, more laughing which, and then he and then... You know, like, is, isn't a joke or anything. It's not script proof, Yes. Like, obviously. And then we went back for the second act and there were some weird homophobic jokes and I was like, okay. There was two that I spotted. There was the first one where... Um, Buttons is the winner of Woking's Got Talent. He's going to do some magic, and he's going to do the bit where he sh- he catches a bullet in his teeth, and, and it goes up his bum. Instead. He goes up his bum, and he talks about his size and what he's packing. And then one of the ensemble mm-hmm. gets gets like super excited, knee slides over to him, and is like clutching his leg and squealing. Yeah, and again, obviously, we don't know whether that performer we don't know that performer's sexuality, but the portrayal is of the hysterical gay. Yeah. And it was just a bit unnecessary. And I, I didn't like the response of, you know, being like, hey, my family's here tonight. I've told you that, you know, like... Yeah. Because, the, yeah, that was just so weird. Especially because if you think of it from a kid's perspective, obviously a lot of these jokes are going over their heads. Yes. They're just enjoying the pretty lights and whatever. But I think in this situation, because this ensemble member is so loud... These kids would be like, why is this guy screaming? But also it's, I think, done for a laugh. Like you would laugh at this funny presentation of this character. Yeah. It's it, it's done to promote like a gay man, you know, or at least a gay character. Yeah. Being the butt of the joke. Which is really weird because then later, I think it's the same ensemble member at the ball is dancing with another man. Then there are two women dancing together during the ball scene and when they step away from each other yeah to go and dance with the female partners for this one like obviously choreographed dance sequence instead of just people milling about at this party they sort of did like a you know where you're sort of holding hands until you're too far away yeah. to hold hands anymore i'm sure there's a name for that but that and we're like looking at each other longingly and as they passed each other when they were dancing they would look at each other and I was like I don't know whether this is scripted I completely missed that I didn't see that or if these guys are dating in real life or if they've just decided that their characters are together because like fair enough if yeah. you're these essentially unnamed ensemble members at this party why not have some I love it? this weird backstory yeah. that was great and I was like oh this is so interesting juicy like backstory for these background characters essentially yeah and then to have that joke as well, I was like, mm, whiplash over here, like, yeah. decide what you're okay with. And the other one was obviously the kind of obvious joke of when the Prince is coming to try on the glass slipper, mm-hmm. throwing Cinderella in the cupboard, and you obviously can imagine the easy joke that came there. It was just kind of like... yeah That's not a necessary joke, and that's also not ridicule a process that's very difficult for people. Yeah. You know? So, one of, I mean, we were talking about in the in the drive home that everyone, I think, has limits. And obviously, homophobia is not appropriate in any production. Unless it's something like Jamie, where it's vital to the story. We're showing a character overcoming this prejudice. But when it's got nothing to do with the plot, there's no... So, in this magical panto universe... Yeah homophobia shouldn't exist in the same way and this is going to sound horrible but like Andrew Lloyd Webber's Bad Cinderella 
homophobia does not exist in that world, apparently. And yet it does. And yes, it does, because it was written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. However, nobody has a problem with Prince Charming having a male partner. Yeah. Like, in that world. That's just considered like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. It's written in the most homophobic way possible, but that's just a thing that is happening. And in this magical panto world of Cinderella, you can decide what your world is. Yeah. You can decide that in this magical panto world, everybody is accepted and there is no homophobia. Because they also have the joke with Claudia and Tess, where they come out and they say, we're Tess and Claudia and we're identical twins. And one of them is a very tall white man and one of them is a quite short black man. And the joke there is that they're obviously not identical twins. And race is never mentioned in the rest of this show, there's no jokes about it. Yeah. So why does homophobia exist? Well, it's like in the Muppet movie, isn't it? Where the, or the great Muppet caper where Kermit and Fozzie are identical twins and everyone just believes it in the world. Yeah. You know, like it's not... There's no racial motivation behind that. Mm-hmm. It's just this is a fact of what the characters are. Yeah. Was the thing... It's the Into the Woods thing. The, it's the witch from next door. Yeah. If you tell us that one thing, we understand and we move on and we just know, oh, yeah, the the witch that lives next door. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And that's it. Like, why why do we need these jokes in this fairy tale story? We saw it with Bedknobs and Broomsticks as well, where they just cast the right person for the role with the colorblind casting. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter that all of the children didn't have the same skin color. We were told they were siblings. We know their siblings. Yeah, you know it doesn't. It doesn't matter at that point. Mm-hmm. And in the same with Frozen, when we saw it opening night, it doesn't matter that young Elsa and Anna didn't share the same color skin as grown-up Elsa and Anna because we just accept these are the characters. Mm-hmm. One of the things you know, like there's loads of jokes in here that, depending on your personal experience in the world, you might think, "Oh, hey, that's not funny." You know, for instance, there is a bit in the, you know, the bit where I said they're all pulling each other off walls where Button starts attacking Cinderella. We just see Cinderella get pulled down and Button's getting up and pretending to beat on her. Now, some people, that might be their line of, like, should you be showing that? Mm-hmm. Um, there are COVID jokes. Yeah, which I never appreciate. I understand, obviously, COVID destroyed everything. Yeah. <laughs> and some people need to laugh about it. And I get that. Yeah. I personally don't. However, I just sort of um, like deal with it. But they were a lot less than last year. Yes. You know, I, I counted two, which is the first one is we had Dandini and Prince Charming go to shake hands, but they stopped and they butted elbows instead. And then another one was talking about like the gagging experience when you took your PCR. Mm-hmm. So a lot less. But again, for some people, you know, not that I'm saying pantomime should come with a content warning, but... Obviously, for some people, and this is the difficult thing with pantomimes, is you kind of go and you know you're going to get some things. You know you're going to get topical references. There's some government jokes about Liz Truss and generally the Tories. Oh, and the royal family. And the royal family. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, because there's a, we'll pop down and find another prince in Woking uh, Pizza Express joke. Oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. I was thinking of the Meghan and Harry joke. Oh, there's a Meghan and Harry and then there's a Prince Andrew joke, which... Is very much for the adults, but also for some of the adults, they could think, oh, well, that's not appropriate. 
Yeah. But I, I, I think there's the a difference is... between them and the homophobia because you understand going into the pantomime that there might be these jokes, but I think yeah. racism, homophobia, transphobia shouldn't just just shouldn't be a play a part in in well you think as well in the ideal fairy tale world of these pantomimes why should those things exist you know they exist enough in the real world enough that like we have to deal with them on a daily basis and probably more than just a daily basis you know that like i personally have had to deal with it today brilliant but like, so when we go and see escapism fantasy theatre, it doesn't need to be there too. Yeah. You know, it's not relevant to the plot. I don't need to hear about it. But I also think as well, the worry is because this is aimed at such a young audience as well. Mm-hmm. You've kind of got to start thinking from a young age of what are you subjecting kids to and telling them this is okay versus this isn't okay. Yeah. And how many kids are going to think it's okay to laugh at the gay character because mm. of the depiction in this? And, you know, that is a concern that you have to think about. Yeah. You know, and and I know that a lot of people will probably listen to this and think that, oh, we're just being woke and sensitive. Well, no, I don't, you know, I can understand why some people would draw the line at domestic abuse jokes. I can understand why some people would have drawn the line at uh, allegations of a sex offender joke. Mm-hmm. However... That might also be down to their own personal experience that they don't go to the theatre and expect that to be brought up. Yeah. You know, and I think it's important to talk about. Because mm. otherwise, I think this was a very well done pantomime in the fact that I think the jokes, 99% of the jokes, 98% of the jokes weren't harmful. Mm-hmm. And last year, we talked about, you know, the portrayal of uh, the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. And how that was an issue. The only time we had something like that was where, you know, uh, the fairy godmother tried to make Button stronger and bigger and instead did the reverse and put him in the machine and he shrunk. But it was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory shrinking. And it wasn't, you know, yes, he, he pulled a Lord Farquaad and was on his knees, but it wasn't the same because it was this character has shrunk. Mm -hmm. But again, some people might have looked at that joke and thought, that's offensive. Yeah. But I think, you know, a lot of these jokes will come down to personal preference. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying the pantomime needs to come with a trigger warning, but I do think pantomimes need to do better at erasing homophobic, transphobic, racist jokes, because there is no need for them. Mm -hmm. We know we're going to get some topical references. You know, there might have been cost of living jokes, that I think there was. There, there were. And oh yeah, the, it was a joke about how much all the wands and things cost. Yeah, but, but and, and for some people, they would have been like, "I already felt bad enough coming here. This is a nice thing for family, but I now know that I'm going to have to go without a meal." Mm-hmm. But again, it's a topical thing, so pantomime is always going to have that issue. But I do think it needs to be very careful. Yeah. Overall, though, what did you think compared to previous pantomimes you've seen versus previous Cinderella pantomimes you've seen? Did you enjoy this one? I did. I think I actually enjoyed it more than the Snow White one last year. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the Stepsisters as a duo. I very much enjoyed a lot of Brian Connolly. Not everything. There's always going to be stuff we don't like, but I enjoyed 
Brian Connolly as Buttons more yeah. than I thought I was going to going into it. Jenny Gaynor as the fairy godmother was absolutely sublime. Oh, she was great in her dance number where she had the like tear away dress tear-away was incredible. Dress. And you know, she's a very talented performer as well. You know, it's been Lena Lamont and singing in the rain. And mm-hmm. you know, again, you have the idea of pantomime. She's just willing to get stuck in and make the jokes and have those moments as well where something goes wrong. She's like, don't encourage him. I've got to work with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there was less panto tropes than last year of Snow White, which I really liked the stuff in Snow White. But what I loved here was it felt like I was just watching Cinderella. Yeah. And I, I think I'd agree with you that I loved I loved Snow White last year. I enjoyed this one more. Mm-hmm. And I would absolutely recommend that if you have the opportunity this Christmas season to head to the new Victoria Theatre in Woking, you absolutely should. Um, they also have like a little pizzeria in there now. So you can have some pizza before the show. Oh, yeah. That was cute. It was cute. It's really, really nice. Mm-hmm. I just thought this is a really fun show overall. I think, you know, there's a great bit at the end. He's like, they're not even standing for us, which got, of course got everyone standing up for the standing ovation. I just think it was fun. And there's plenty of jokes for the kids and there's plenty of great adult jokes for the grown-ups, you know? There's a bit where he's got a balloon and he's, like, making this funny noise with the balloon, like, when you deflate it. Mm-hmm. And then he's, like, it stops working, so he's pulling on it. He turns around and it looks like he's uh, yanking something else as he's making a squeaking noise, which yeah. all the adults loved. Actually, one of the kids in front of us reacted to that. Yeah. And I was like, how do you know about this? But again, so nice little things, nice little moments like that. I would say overall, I would give this like four stars. Yeah, I would agree. I really enjoyed it. I think it was great. And I actually flew by, mm-hmm. you know, just like Cinderella at the ball. It was midnight before I knew it and we had to go home and I was disappointed when it ended. Yeah, it felt quite short. But it wasn't short. That's the thing. And because we were having such a good time with this one, Mm -hmm. like I can't, you know, the only reason I don't give it five stars is because I think some of the jokes aren't wholly appropriate. Yeah. You know, and it's very minor. Other people might disagree with me, but that's that's my my thought process. I really enjoyed this. Mm -hmm. I would go see this again. You know, if your mum and dad were like, we want to go see a panto, I'd be like, let's go to Woking. Yeah. Go see this one. Have a great time doing it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So as always, uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at It's Musical Pod. Let us know if we have convinced you to go and check out the fairy godmother of all pantos at the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. And you can, of course, subscribe to us on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app, under the podcast section of the library. You can find us on Stitcher, Good Pods, and our OG hosts, Podbean. And if you like the show, subscribe to us so you don't miss new bonus content or new episodes. And why not leave us a review? Because it is Christmas after all. And Christmas is a time to show you care. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back on Monday with our second Christmas musical of the season where we're going to be talking about Jingle Jangle. Yeah. And we should be back as well with another bonus episode next week where we talk about the brand new London production of Newsies. I'm so excited to go and see Newsies. Immersive Newsies, Immersive I've been told. Newsies. I don't know what that means. Oh, I can't wait for it. I've seen some amazing things on theatre Twitter. We are, of course, going to uh, cap off the Christmas season with maybe everyone's favourite Christmas musical, The Muppets 
Christmas Carol. We'll talk Best a, version of a Christmas Carol. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few weeks, and then we're going to end the year with the brand new Matilda the Musical Film Experience, as well as our third bonus episode of the month, where we count down our top 10 musicals of the year. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can get yourself involved in that conversation. Head over to Twitter and Instagram to see the lists and email us on itsamusicalpod at gmail.com. Yeah. But until next week, where we will see you, same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical day. <laughs> <laughs>